break, and we still have a lot of people traveling home. And uh, listen, I am, I, I, as an eldership team, we talk every year about the fact that uh, these two weeks, no matter where they fall, you know, in April or wherever, um, they're kind of, um, you know, slow weeks for us as far as attendance. But I'm, as your pastor, I'm glad to see families spending time together. Can you say amen? And I, I'm excited uh, when families go away and spend time together, it's very, very important. And so we want to pray for all those who are returning, getting back home uh, this evening and getting ready to get back at it next week. Um, it's going to be a great time as next week is um, the Passion Week. Amen? And there's a lot of activities that are going on, I hope, that get your interest and calls you uh, to press into the Easter season. Hope that it takes that you've been on a journey, whether you've been with us for the last four weeks or you, you've been somewhere else and those things. For us, I, I think it's always very important to take the journey to Easter with intent. And today is no different on Palm Sunday. Everybody say Hosanna. I want, you, I, want, I want to read a scripture to you that I opened up with this story. You thought it was strange a few weeks ago when I opened up with the Palm Sunday story. But I want to read it to you again, and then we're going to move into our message. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. The Bible says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, and they came to Bethpage, to, Mount, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, or go into the village in front of you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord is need of them, and he'll send them at once. And this, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. Imagine that. And they brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks. And he sat on them. And most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. And others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before them and followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. Am I the only one that believes that Easter should stir us up? The whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crown said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reading of the word. Bless it to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said... What an incredible story. It sets the scene for the, the, the next seven days. And if you've never done a biblical study each day of the week leading to Resurrection Sunday, I encourage you to do that. But we've been talking about this idea that the Lord had takes us on Easter down some roads that lead us from death to life. And the first one we looked at was this Jerusalem road. Last week we looked at the Emmaus road. 
The Jerusalem road, it, it sets us up for the fact that Jesus was determined to go to the cross. Somebody say amen. He was determined. Jesus knew that the only way that we could be reconciled to God was by his payment on the cross. By his life, his death and his blood on the cross. As a matter of fact, the most powerful scene that I ever seen as a believer, uh, someone who was not raised in church, someone who didn't get saved until they were 20, was the passion of the Christ. Hello, somebody. You ever see that movie? And when they are crucifying the the thieves on either side of Jesus, watching those thieves wrestle against those Roman soldiers, so much so that they would loop ropes around their wrist, and and the Roman soldier would sit down on the ground and, and put his feet on the main beam of the cross and with his arms pull that rope out so that man couldn't pull his arm back so they could drive a stake. And watching those Roman soldiers put their feet with all their strength to pull those arms out so they could stake them to the cross and then to watch Jesus not wrestle, but to willingly lay his life on the cross. There was no need for them to wrap the ropes around. It shocked me in the sense that I never thought about it. The scene set a stage that I'd never thought about. Jesus did not wrestle Against the, hello somebody. The Emmaus Road brings us to the, fa- to the fact that sometimes Easter, Easter brings us to the place where God wants us to realize that we have been disappointed in life. That sometimes the things we have and the things we expect, the things we want to happen, they don't happen the way we think they should. And that can leave us lonely. That can leave us in despair. It can leave us in depression and anxiety. And and we can find ourselves walking on a road saying we love God but walking away from Him. But I want you to know the Emmaus Road shows us so much that Jesus, Jesus ain't about to let us walk away. Come on, somebody. He meets us on that road and asks us what's in our heart. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Jesus turned that road from death to life. He renewed their hope. And the Bible says those men turned around and ran that road back to Jerusalem. Seven miles. I read this story again on Palm Sunday. You know there's another scripture that every time I read this story that I'm reminded of. It's in Matthew chapter 7 verse 13. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. When I look at the Jerusalem road, I also think about a narrow road. A road where Jesus had made a decision. A road where that decision was birthed out of his desire to please the Father and to rescue mankind. This road was made narrow by not only his decision and his desire, but his discipline to walk it. 
I often wonder what Jesus was thinking that day as he rode down that road, hearing everyone celebrate, knowing what would happen in one week. Narrow is the road. I think this particular statement of Jesus on Palm Sunday, it reveals a lot about the road that Jesus is asking us as his followers to walk on. Because I believe that the narrow road is one of decision. The narrow road is one of discipline. The narrow one road is one of desire. It is a road that leads from death to life. And let me just ask us this question as we just prep our hearts for a minute and think about this. In our life, does desire dictate decision? Or does decision produce the proper desire? Because see, if we let desire dictate decision, we'll find ourselves walking down roads that are wide. We'll find ourselves walking down roads that don't have many directions but have a lot of pitfalls. And we'll find ourselves making decisions to satisfy desire. That's why the answer to this question is determined by discipline. Jesus decided there was no other road to ride that day but the Jerusalem road. We call it the triumphal entry. For the last two weeks... God has taken us on a journey. Hello, somebody. But see, Easter confronts our desires. Easter confronts our passions. Easter confronts... I want you to understand that of all the holidays, Easter is one that as believers we look to that is designed by God to confront us where we are and where he wants us to be. How we're living and how he wants us to live. The life that we are now living, but the life he has promised us. It confronts every aspect of where we're at. Are, are we living in death or are we receiving life? And, and passion is an important thing, but let me, let me give you PD's definition of passion. What is passion? Y'all, y'all might like this. I define passion just like the dictionary does, an intense violent emotion. Hello, somebody. Don't look at me like that. Now, for some of you that that might rock your boat a little bit, let me, let me, let me say this. It's a great liking or enthusiasm. Okay. I, when I'm passionate about something, I need you to understand something. I'm intense about it. And I'm, why are you laughing, Donnie? <laughs> Donnie and I went golfing one day. I can't beat him. Can't beat him. Can't beat him. And I told him one day, I said, I, I'm going to beat you today, old man. That's what I told him. Ask him. And you know what he said to me? 
He said to me, the day you beat me, you can take me right back to the nursing home where you picked me up from. <laughs> that is it. His, he, he is getting dropped off at Fairview this afternoon. I'm telling you what's happening today. And we were playing golf, and I had him. I, I promise you I had him. We're coming nine holes. I had him by three strokes coming to nine. And I was like, which room you want me to drop you off at, old man? I'm, it's going down today. I, you And he was, you could see him. He was nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. He was just stirred up. And he was like, that, he's going to literally drop me. I was going to do it, too. He was going to walk back to the church parking lot to get his car. I promise you. Never in my life have I played a worse hole of golf. <laughs> Can't beat him. Can't beat him. Maybe, maybe passion for you is I really like it. Not for me. It's that, it's that intense emotion when I'm passionate about something. You probably didn't know that. But see, I, I think when people are passionate about something, it's not difficult to get them excited about it. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what obstacles are in the way when we're passionate about something. We do what we can, right? We press in and see, here I believe that Easter confronts you and I with a narrow road, especially on Palm Sunday. Come on. You see, only the passionate will enter it. And what is the object of our passion? Come on, life. Life. Not, not life as most would understand it. But it's life as defined by the scriptures and by Jesus himself. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more full. In Colossians, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You know, I just did it just for, just for kicks, just for giggles, just because I'm a little bit passionate about the word of God. I did this little, this little research on the occurrence where life, the word life is found near or close to the word Christ or Jesus. And it came with 695 results. 695 times the word life is connected with the word Christ. 695 times the word life is connected with Jesus. Just in the scripture. Yet somehow, some way, we, even as God's people, think that life can be disconnected from Him. The Scripture's clear. The Bible is clear. True life, eternal life, righteous life, powerful life, vigorous life, they all equal Jesus. Just calm down, Pastor Don. But see, when I tell people that life is found on a narrow road, they might call me a legalist. But see, I understood in my own life that life began when I made a decision. When I started down a road in September of 1992. When I made a decision to travel down a road. 
It was literally a road of decision. And life, life began, the story is long, and, and it's, it's, it's incredible, but God, let me keep life. At a moment in time when I was losing everything. Let me just say this, we make decisions every day. And I, and I know we do this because we're creatures of variety. Come on, gentlemen. How many of you dread the question on date day to your wife? What do you want to eat? <laughs> Let me tell you how to fix this problem. Right? Hmm. I'll tell you how to fix this problem. Ask her what her favorite restaurants are and pick the, the first one that comes out of her mouth. That's the one you're going to go eat. Don't ask her if she's right where she wants to eat. Just say, hey, what are your favorite restaurants? I like this. Where are we going? <laughs> one day my wife said, I, I don't know, just wherever. So I pulled in a Taco Bell. She said, not here. <laughs> That's a true story. Every action of life is what happens. And young people, you need to grab a hold of this. In every action of life, we're confronted with the realities of decision. Do you know every yes also has a no? Because so, if you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And if you're saying no to something, you're saying yes to something else. The coin is double-sided. So we're confronted by decision. It's important. And I think the young people most of all need to hear this, that every action of life, we're confronted with a choice, and we can never evade the choice. You can't evade it. Have you ever just woke up one day and go, I don't want to make a decision today? You can't, you can't avoid it. Something new to us who follow Jesus. God allows us to decide what choices will be ours today. Yet he encourages us to choose his way. He does. Moses said what? Choose life. Deuteronomy 30. Right? Joshua said choose this day who you'll serve. Joshua 24. Elijah said in 1 Kings 18. If God is Lord, follow him. Make a choice. In our walk with God, sometimes we need to be reminded that the directions, the purpose, come on church, the passions that we walk, because we often stray from the beaten path that's laid before us. We, God, And so Easter comes once a year. Hello, somebody. It, it, it happens every year. It's coming. I, I was 20 years as a butcher without fail. Wednesday night in my meat department before Thanksgiving, somebody was going to show up and need a turkey. And I don't got no fresh ones because I done sold out all of them. And so all that's left is frozen turkeys. How long is it going to take to throw out this turkey? Three days. But Thanksgiving is tomorrow. It's been coming all year. You're the only person that it snuck up on. Do your friendly butcher a favor. Don't show up on Wednesday night looking for a turkey. Don't do that. Eat a chicken. You'll be fine. <laughs> he needs to stay saved. Hello, somebody. Some of y'all, three days. 
It's been coming. All Easter's been coming. Our walk with God. As we walk with him, we need to be reminded of the direction and the purpose and the passion of this walk. That's why I'm not afraid to say to us that Easter is a confrontation. It's waiting our decision. Easter is the guarantee. We can't escape the fact that death or life, right there, we are confronted with what we're going to do with the life of Jesus Christ. So Jesus says, enter. Hello, everybody say enter. That's a call for decision. Now, that might bother you a little bit. That might put you on edge today, and that's all right. That's my job as a preacher. He says, choose the road called narrow. You're free to choose the wide road if you want to. But Jeremiah 6, right, in 16, this is what Jeremiah says. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Because each path has a destination. Can I tell you this, young people, no matter what you do, every road you walk down has a destination. And I would encourage you that before you take one step down any path, you ask yourself, where does this road lead? Because oftentimes it'll lead you to places you don't want to go. You'll start walking down that path, and after a while you'll realize you didn't even know how you got here. How did I get here? See, Jeremiah says, stand at the crossroads and look because every path has a destination. And then he says, ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. Come on, somebody. Stand and look and go, God, which one is the path to life? God, which one is the path to your blessings? Which one is the path where you will reveal your glory to me and your life will fill my heart and life? Which one is the path that I should walk in? Teach me which path is the one that will lead me to destruction and rob me of everything you want to give me. And give me the courage to choose the other one. Too often a narrow road is wide. Why? Because we think it relates only to heaven and hell, but it doesn't. Come on, just because you've chosen Jesus doesn't mean you aren't confronted with the way you live and the road you're walking on right now. I'm helping you, I'm helping you, I'm helping you. The narrow road has always been a right now decision. Oh, come on, somebody. See, I made a decision in 1992 about salvation. The decisions I'm making today don't have anything to do with that. The decision I'm making today is about how I want to live with Christ. Because, see, life's not only about the future. It's about now. Come on. Proverbs says this. I love it in Proverbs 27. As the water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects the man. Ooh. Ooh. As the water reflects the face, so a man's heart reflects the man. Show me what a man's passionate about. I'll show you what that man's about. Oh, come on, somebody. Some of y'all wear green. You would never think about wearing maize. Some of y'all wear green, man. You can't wear no maize. Uh-uh. You, uh-uh. 
I, I can't, I'm either a Spartan or I'm a Wolverine. I can't, no, don't put no maze on me. Hello, somebody. You passionate about it, man. You wear your hat, you wear your socks. Man, can't nobody even see it, but your underwear is the color of your team. <laughs> you passionate about them. Come on, somebody. Show me a man's heart, I'll show you where he's passionate, right? The narrow road is a reflection of the decisions we make. The way a man walks is the way he's led, the decisions he has made. And let me just bless us all in this room right now as believers and as as mature people who are trying to walk with Jesus. You can't separate the Christian life into religious and secular. I just told that to a politician recently. I said, I'm sick of all y'all. Because you want to separate religion and the secular. And I don't think there's an option. I don't think there's an option. You can't, I can't separate who I am walking with Jesus and how I walk in this world. You can't do that. Our decisions impacted by the truth that we live. And, and the decisions uh, that we decide on lead us in every direction of our life. Listen, our decisions are made based on which gate we want to enter. The wide road is a wide road because it fills up the space not occupied by the narrow road. That's heavy. You'll get that later. (laughs) The wide road is a road you don't have to think about walking on. Somebody say amen. You don't have to think about it. It, 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 You don't have to to, just walk. You don't even have to think about it. But it's a road that leads everywhere but to life. Y'all helping me? This is why it's an easy road. So that road is a road decision. But if my decisions are going to be proper, they're based inside of my disciplines. I've said this before in my own testimony. We didn't grow up a Christian house. Uh, All my family's saved now. Somebody say amen. Amen. And some of them are watching today. Hey, y'all. What's up, Dad? And I often say... My dad gave me the gift of discipline. Hello, somebody. And that was a great gift. I'm about to wake me up to go to work every day. My wife ain't setting an alarm for me. Hello, somebody. Jesus said difficult is the way. Come on, you ever had any problems since you started walking with Jesus? Oh, I'm the only one. I got it. Altar full here at the end. You ever ever had any difficulties since you've been walking with Jesus? Sometimes since you've been walking with Jesus, you wonder, I got more difficulties now than I did before. You look around at all those people who ain't walking with Jesus, you're like, how come they don't have any difficulties? How come I always got difficulties? I had a great conversation with me and TC one day about, man, he was growing up. He's like, Dad, how come it seems like people who don't love Jesus don't have any problems? I mean, that's our perspective, but it's not truth. See, discipline is, it's it's one of those dirty words in church because then we connect it to works mentality and, can I just say this? It's a common thing for everybody in this room to look for the easy way out. 
Tay school. What do I need to do to pass? What do I need? Take work. How much do I need to do to make the boss happy? Okay, that don't get you. How about home? What can I get away? How much can I get away with before he or she gets mad? Marriage sermon series coming in the fall. (laughs) We're all guilty of looking for the easy way. Somebody say amen. But if we look back on our life honestly and we look at all the times that we took the easy way out, today we would have made a different choice. I would have made a total different choice. Because getting by is not the way of God. Come on, somebody. So when we hear the word discipline, we're quick to say amen to its importance outwardly. But inwardly, we all go like, come on, PD, lighten up. Because discipline is always equated with hard work. Discipline means we're doing something that we don't want to do to get something we want. Come on, somebody. 1 Corinthians says uh, in chapter 9, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only one gets the prize. So run in such a way that you get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I don't run like a man aimlessly. I don't fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body. Make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Man, I love it. I love it. Paul says, run in such a way as to win the prize. This is why I'm saying, look, if I start playing a game with you and it requires keeping score, I intend for you to lose. (laughs) Grace is for Jesus on Sunday at church. It is not for the softball field. (laughs) Who y'all playing tonight? The loser. (laughs) Run it up, run it up. (laughs) I'm serious sit down sit down and start playing a game with somebody you love that you got to keep score watch what happens to you cheater cheater I had a friend in Florida his name is Joey Forehand he said look here win if you can lose if you must but always cheat and I'm like brother that's not the life we want to live And he says, don't you want to win? (laughs) I'm not advocating that. Hello, somebody. Monopoly is banded out. That is a demonic game. It is evil. And I promise you, if you want to wind up in divorce court, leave that thing alone. I'm telling you right now, it's got to go outside. Don't play that thing. Man. Don't waver the course. Don't waver the course. Discipline. Maintain certainty. That's what we do. We don't waver the course. See, in the language of the Bible, the narrow road, watch this, the narrow road is a hard way. It's a demanding way. It's a way of self-denial. And it's the cross. That's why Jesus said, if any man's going to follow me, he's got to pick up his cross. You're not following me if you're not dragging your cross. And the only reason a man picks up a cross is because he knows he's going to die. You don't carry it for fun. 
You carry it because you know death is coming. You pick it up because you know death is coming. And so this requires what I like to think is disciplined thinking. You ever heard that old saying? Okay, preacher, preacher, make me laugh, make me cry, but please don't make me think. You see, I want you to think. I want you to get in here and start thinking about this thing, right? 2 Corinthians 10 says the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On contrary, they're divine power demolishing strongholds. We demolish arguments in every presentation that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ and will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once our obedience is complete. Disciplined thinking. What's the Bible say as a man thinks? Francis Frangipan, I read his book. It was a great book. And, and he was talking about the cross. And he, he says, isn't it interesting that Jesus was crucified on a hill called Golgotha? Which translates the place of the skull. And in mine and your life, isn't it interesting that right here is where the battle happens? Yeah. Right here in the head, right here. See, disciplined thinking. Let me tell you something. That's why the Bible says, let your mind be renewed by the water, the washing of the word of God, right? Listen, you put garbage in, garbage coming out. Are you with me? The only reason a garbage can is a garbage can is because you put garbage in it. Careful what you put in. Careful what you put in, church. That's why I say all this media, all this social media stuff, I'm telling you, be careful what you allow to put in because all of a sudden you'll start thinking like they're talking. Disciplined thinking. Disciplined prayer. First Thessalonians says pray continually. Hello, somebody. When I teach the discipleship course and we go through the book of Nehemiah and and we teach it line by line by line. It takes me nine months to get through 13 chapters. And you can ask the guys who've been through it. I point out every time Nehemiah prays. He's always praying. Sometimes he's just like, Lord, help me. Here we go. Right? Like... He's always praying. He's always communicating. Luke chapter 18, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Disciplined prayer is not looking for quick fixes, but it's looking for eternal differences. That's why it's so important to pray because it's not prayer that changes things as much as prayer changes me. Disciplined study. Second Timothy, the word of God's important. Do your best to present yourself to God as an approved, a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Psalms 119, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How shall a young man cleanse his way? By heeding thereunto according to thy word. Disciplines. The riches of God's wisdom await us every day in this book. I said the riches of God's wisdom await us every day in this book. Every day. God wants to speak to us. Every day God wants to transform our mind and renew our hearts through his word and those things. But let me tell you something. I'm not the only one in this room who battles every day to read, to pray, to think biblically. 
See, the church has got to grab a hold and make a decision that we're going to have a biblical worldview, not a worldview of the Bible. We're going to see the world through the Scripture. We're going to see how we're supposed to live through the Bible. We're not let anybody else dictate us how we're supposed to live. We're going to let anybody else dictate how I'm supposed to spend my finances, how I'm supposed to live my life, how I'm supposed to live healthy and mentally and physically, emotionally in every way. I'm going to let everything change. I want you to understand, my pastor gave me a healthy love for the Word of God, and outside of the love of Jesus Christ, the Word of God changed me in a powerful way. Watch this. Easy way, it looks inviting at the moment, and the hard way always looks daunting. Man, we're in Colorado trying to climb a mountain, and and these guys are saying we're going up that path, and I'm like, yeah, but that one one looks, looks hard. What you don't know is the easy way oftentimes has a dead end. And you got to turn around. Do it all over again. I think the only way we get our values right, help me church, is to see not the beginning, but the end of the way. It's a road of discipline. We look at this road and we often faced with the feelings of defeat. We often fa- How many times have you tried to, to, to start being disciplined just to fail? Somebody say amen. Every day? Man, how do I make it work? How do I make it work? And it's so much easier, so much freer, so much funner. Is that a word? It's a southern word. It's all right. It's in the southern dictionary. Church discipline is hard, but it's necessary. Are you with me? Especially for those who walk a narrow road. But for some of us, it's unreachable. I just can't stay disciplined. Once you make a decision, you can. Are you with me? When I first met my wife, she was um, like this uh, 22-year-old young lady, and uh, we were neither one of us Christians, and she worked for me. I, I hired her. I was her boss. Now she likes to tell everybody she's a boss. <laughs> but I, I remember, I remember uh, you know, for the two years that she worked for me, um, she, would, she would go outside and take a cigarette break. She smoked cigarettes. And then all of a sudden, after about two years of that, she, she didn't go outside on a cigarette break. And I was like, hey, everybody else went on a cigarette break. And she's like, oh, I'm not going. And I'm like, why? She because I quit today. Today, you quit today. And I'm like, oh, Lord, here we go. I'm another crazy employee in this place today. Hello, somebody. And I said, well, we had a minute. You know, I was like, well, why'd you quit today? And here's what she said to me. She said, I found myself on my knees in front of the fireplace digging through the ashes of the fireplace looking for cigarette butts because I didn't have money for cigarettes. I find myself so broke by my habit that I was digging through ashes. And she said, it was right there on my knees where I made a decision. She's just telling me the story. We weren't dating. She's like, 
I made a decision. And I said, God, if I ever put another one to my lips, strike me dead. From that day to this, my wife has never smoked another cigarette. She made a decision. To this point, her decision is so serious that we can be traveling down the road and she can say someone in the car in front of us on the road is smoking a cigarette. And I'm like, no, they're not. She said, I can smell it. It makes me sick. I can smell it. And I'm like, you're crazy. You can't smell that cigarette up there. And in just a minute, what goes flying out the window? What happened? I made a decision. And I included God in my decision. And I knew he would keep his word. Now maybe that's not for you, but that's our story and it's pretty cool. This is why we can't stop right here. Come on church, narrow. Because ultimately our desires is where Jesus, let me tell you something. You ever ask Jesus a question and he didn't answer the question? Instead, he dealt with something else. Am I the only one that I'll get in front of the Lord and all of a sudden the Lord kind of switches things up on me and and all of a sudden I'm trying to get him to deal with somebody else's heart, but he's trying to deal with my heart? I'm just like, can I wake up every morning and go, all right, Lord, today can you just not mess with me? Just one day, Lord, don't mess with me today. Now I want to talk to you about the things that lead to life. Enter the narrow gates, which leads to life. I want to talk to you, Don. I want to deal with the things that lead to life. I want to deal with the things that are hindering you from the life I want to give you, right? Because my life, my life that I live inside of you through the power of the Holy Spirit by the promise of the resurrection, I have come to give you life. I want to deal with the things that lead to life. And so, listen, I would just say, do you want to die today? Come on, dude. I mean, do we want to just die? Somebody go get the car. Do we want to die today? No, I don't, I don't want to die today. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to stuff to do tomorrow. I desire to live more than anything else. I'm ready to go, just not on the next train. If life is my desire, then I got to walk the road that leads to life. And now we come back full circle from what I've already said. He promised, right? Let's take a moment and look at this, right? Let's just take a moment. As I, I'm going to bring this to a close right here. Eternal life. Eternal life. There's only one road that leads there. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And the world says, that's too narrow. You want to tell you why it's narrow? Because it deals with truth. And we live in a world that doesn't want truth. We want to live in a world that wants situation ethics, right? We want to live, we want to live in a world that, that, that they don't want two plus two to be two anymore, right? Because according to the situations or the ethics maybe that you want to live in your life, two plus two could be 22. It's all up to you. We live in a world that wants to deal, do away with absolute truth. And I tell you right now, that's not a world I want to live in. I need absolute truth. I need to know what's what. Come on, somebody. 
Paul said, I, have no, I know this. Come on. I know that I know that I know. There's an absolute truth that no matter what you do, you can't take it away from me. And I need you to understand something. When you walk down the road that is narrow in life, you'll never forget that one day in your life, Jesus showed up and met you when no one else wanted you. Jesus, he reached down and grabbed you when everybody else had thrown you away. Jesus came and saved you when no one else wanted to. I'll never forget that night. You can't take that away from me. That's an absolute truth. We try to widen the road by forsaking truth. John 3, 15 says that everyone that believes in him may have eternal life. 1, Tim, uh, 1 Timothy 6 says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life. Take hold of eternal life. Take hold of eternal life. That means don't let it go. Don't let it go. Don't let it go. Man, I, I, I think about taking hold of something. I, just one little illustration comes to my mind so powerfully. You're, I mean, some of us think like a dog grabbing a bone and not letting it go. My wife is a city girl. We get married. I move her out to the country. And she grew up a military brat. And we get out there in the middle of the woods. And the coyotes are doing their thing. And she's like, what's that? I said, those are coyotes. They're going to get us. And I was like, they're not going to get us. <laughs> well, where are they right there? <laughs> and then, then so... In Florida, we had these little turtles, uh, box shell turtles. The, the front of the, it hinges. So he can close himself up completely inside his shell. You can't get to him, right? And I caught one of those things and I brought it in the house because I was, I was always catching the critters for her to see. And so I'd always kind of come in the house with a possum shaking it, you know, just grumbling and growling. I'm like, look at this thing. And she's like, get out of the house, right? Like everything. And I came in with this turtle one time. And she's in the kitchen, a city girl. And I'm like, here, look at it. It's pretty cool. Watch how it's, God designed it where its shell just kind of closes and, and you can't get inside of it. It's like perfect. We call it a box shell turtle. And so my hands were full and I needed to do something else. So I stuck this little turtle right on my shirt here and he just kind of clawed right there. And I need y'all to understand something. I've been bit by a lot of critters before in my life. But that turtle reached out and grabbed me right there. Lord have mercy. L-A-W-D. Lord have mercy. That, I mean, he had a hold of me and he wouldn't let go. And I grabbed his head and I'm trying to squeeze his jaws. He won't open it. He's holding on to eternal life because I'm trying to kill him. I am hurting. And so I grabbed him and, and, and I'm, so I, I let go of his head and I, I start pulling on him and his neck is outstretched this far. Now I'm starting to bleed at this point and, and, and I tell my wife, get the knife and cut his head off. Oh, I'm dying, Nancy. Oh, this turtle is holding on to eternal life. He wants to live forever and I want him to die because I mean he's got a hold of me and I'm like, cut his head off, cut his head off. Just you have to cut his head off. And my wife has got the knife in her hand and she's like, I can't do it, I can't do it. <laughs> the turtle gets to live but not Don. <laughs> I mean, that's what, God, hold on to it, man. 
I'm not letting go. I don't care how much the devil pulls on me. I don't care how much he threatens me. I don't care how much he stretches me out. I'm not letting go. I got a hold of this thing, man, and I'm going to live. The turtle lived, okay? Oh, my aching back. I, I was so angry with her after that. <laughs> oh. You got to hold on. I love that scripture. Yes, I want to hold to it. Don't let it go. Listen, you can't talk me out of my salvation. You can't talk me out of my Jesus. You can't talk me out of my faith. Listen, you might be able to come against me and cause me to doubt some things, but there's one thing in my life you can't ever talk me out of, and that's that my sweet Jesus loves me, and he loves me all the way to heaven. And that gives me abundant life. That's what I love talking about. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come. I've come. I've come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. Right now. Right now. On this earth. The life that I live right now. Y'all know why I'm violently passionate about the things that I'm passionate about? Because Jesus said I could live now. I don't have to wait till I get to heaven. If I long for it. If I have passion for eternal life. It goes without speaking that I live like that today. I'm not saved when I get to heaven. I'm saved now. I I don't have to wait to dance till I get to heaven. I'm on dance now. I'm not singing when I get to heaven. I'm going into heaven singing. Oh, PD, that's just your Pentecostal coming out. I don't care what kind of hostel it is. I'm excited about Jesus. The narrow road is now. It's a road traveled that makes a difference in today's life. Right now, right now. It makes a difference today. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you will. That's imparted life. Do you understand that? Brothers, look at Romans 10. Uh, he, he says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. Life imparts life. Can you say Amen. Oh, man, it's so good. If you and I, if we possess eternal life, it should be our desire that others might come to to have eternal life in abundance too. I don't want to invite people to church with a... Lord, have mercy. I don't make no apologies about celebrating Jesus around here. Don't. Why? Why? I love Jesus. Don't you want to love him too? I get all excited in these religious spirits. Now, brother, calm down. Man, I got it. I got, I'm, I'm passionate about something. That's the life that Jesus gave me. The life he called me to live. This keeps me on a narrow road. That passion dictates how I walk, Right? Jesus said, only a few will find it. Only a few will find it. Only a few. I believe that few find this road because so many are satisfied with the life they live. And I want to say to you, it's not until you become dissatisfied. It's not until you learn that you need Christ. It's not until you learn that the life in this world is nothing compared to the life found in Christ. Come on, somebody. It's not until you realize that life found in the world leads only to death. So life found in Christ is victory. Come on, somebody. Come on, worship team. 
Is it an easy gate to walk through? Come on, somebody. No, no. Is it an easy road to walk on? No. It's not easy when you walk through that gate. It's not easy to leave self. You got to make a choice. You got to make a choice. Six months into our marriage, we weren't Christians. Y'all know our story. We're going we're gonna to be away in a couple weeks celebrating 30 years. Yeah, it's good. I'm excited. Don't, don't call me. Call Breno. Six months into our marriage, I'm confronted with death. I come home and my wife is packing her bags. Yes, I got saved because my wife was leaving me. Come on, somebody. Now, I'm not advocating that. I'm telling you my story. But my wife came to faith because I made a decision too. No, no, we're not doing this. What do I need to change? See, it's not easy when you walk through the gate to leave yourself leave yourself at the entrance it's not easy when you walk through the gate to leave yourself and pick up the cross when you walk down the narrow road it's not easy when you walk through the gate leave yourself pick up your cross and surrender everything but my question is when you're passionate about it why are you weighing what's easy or hard Listen, I, I should stop here. Give me a minute. Stand. Stand in this place. I don't want to leave out the most important part. When you walk the narrow road, I need you to understand that it's not a road that you walk alone. Jesus walks with us. And Jesus calls us together to walk down a narrow road. Let me tell you what I love about church. Here's what I love about church. This is the only community where everybody who's a part of this community is here because we realize we all haven't arrived yet. And so I can embrace you and you can embrace me. Why? Because neither one of us is there. And I love it. It lets us embrace one another. We don't walk alone. In fact, the longer I have found that I walk down the narrow road, the more I have found that Jesus is walking right there beside me. Mm. The longer I walk down this road, the more I discover that it's his desire. He calls me to the narrow road because that's the road he's walking on. Come on, church. And we are confronted at Easter, especially on Palm Sunday, when we think about the story of the triumphal entry where Jesus rides into Jerusalem. That was a narrow road. There weren't any other options. Come on, church. There wasn't another street to take. He's riding down roads that Nehemiah had rebuilt. Come on, church. And and I just want to let you... Think about this, those roads right now that you and I are walking down. 
We never know that those are roads that God has called us to walk down because Jesus is going to walk down them behind us. There's no way Nehemiah could have known when he was rebuilding those roads that one day Jesus Christ himself would walk down this very road. You see, sometimes you think you're walking someplace that no one behind you is ever going to know about. But I say to you today that there may be some who find the strength to walk down that road because you walked it first. They saw who you were. They saw what you did. They saw how the Lord worked in your life. And so when I can say to people, can God heal your marriage? Yes, because we walk down that road. Can God deliver you from addiction? Yes, because we walk down that road. Can God set you free? Yes, because I once was addicted. I once was a prisoner. Can God save you? Yes, because I once was lost. But now, come on, I done been down that road. I walked down it, walked down it. Easter confronts us, not only for our own life, but for those who walk behind us. And so I just want to open up this altar for us this morning and say, listen, if God has spoken to you and you had not been walking down a narrow road, but you've heard the voice of the Lord say, hey, I, I want you, I've called you into this and you've been avoiding it, called you into this, and I, I'm asking you to enter in. I'm going to give you space this morning. Give you space this morning to, if God has spoken to you about anything, maybe there's a decision. You can't escape the fact that you are confronted with what you're going to do with the life of Jesus Christ. So, Father, right here in the name of Jesus, God, we stand in your presence. We thank you for the word of God. We say, God, pour your presence out on us. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, Lord. No shame is a prison as cruel as a grave. Shame is a robber and he's come to take my name. Oh, love is my redeemer lifting me up from the ground. Love is a power where my freedom song is found. There ain't no come on, you want to come through business with God? Someone will come and pray with you. Hold this down. Hallelujah.
was crucified, but he went on down to hell, and he took back every morning in this place for your resurrection power. God, there's so much of your presence. Our lives are full of your glory, God. Thank you, God, for roads that lead to life. Thank you that roads, God, without roadblocks, because of your blood, because of your death, your burial, your resurrection, there are no roadblocks to the road of life. Give us the courage, Lord, to walk through the gate, the narrow road. Let our lives be lives. Testify to a lost and dying world that you take us from death to life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Okay. Now, here's my challenge before we get released. This week is Easter week. It's a busy week. Those things are happening. I'm encouraging you to invite somebody to church on Easter Sunday morning. Amen? Watch what God will do as the resurrection power flows through his body. Are you with me? God bless you. Turn around and tell someone. Walk down the narrow road.